Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another thrilling edition of Margin Call. Uh, if you listen to last, last week's show, we had Tom Trapel on uh, talking about being a father with you know five kids in the house and what it's like to try and manage parenting uh, in the age of homeschooling and COVID and remote learning. Uh, Paul was also on that episode talking about being a parent of a school-aged child. Uh, I liked his take personally. If you guys heard the show, he actually saw kind of homeschooling as an opportunity to teach his kid what he felt like he might not be getting at school. I think his example was that uh, one day he put on a, a YouTube video, James Baldwin uh, addressing Cambridge University. He was like, see, this is what you need to be learning. <laughs> so that's not that's not to malign teachers. But I liked the idea that you, most of the parents that I hear from are like, oh, man, this is rough. And I'm sure it is. But I liked hearing Paul's take. So, so last week we did talk about back to school COVID style, mostly from a parent's perspective. But tonight, on tonight's episode, we have the teacher's experience. And here to share the teacher's experience with me and us are two of my favorite people, Ms. Kat Wilson. You know her from Geek Force. (laughs) I'm like, woo! You know her from Geek Force, the number one podcast on Quest On Media. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but she's taken off her Geek Force hat and she's here to talk about uh, being an educator in the age of COVID. Our other guest is a very dear, dear friend of Quest On Media, a behind the scenes person who got us all the way through our fundraising effort last year. It would not have been possible without her. Uh, Yanni, Beyonce, thank you for coming on and thank you for wearing your teacher hat today. We've had you on before to talk as a teacher, though, right, right yeah, Yanni? on the episode i think it was with paul and he was talking about his experience being a dad um in the age of covid right that is right yeah so we did this was that was our last episode for education yeah so we did yeah our last education episode we did try to mix it up so we had one teacher one parent um and you guys got along swimmingly until the very end and we realized that neither eming nor i had introduced you to and that you had never met before it's okay (laughs) all right that's fine i didn't know that it was a filipino thing and i just didn't know that it was a filipino thing so i felt bad that they didn't they we didn't introduce them properly but but the main concern is uh to you our listeners and now you've been introduced to our guests uh kat who you probably already know well and yanni who's been on the show before um there's so much to talk about in education uh so many questions about what makes sense about returning to school i mean this is at every level of education obviously i'm a grad student so i'm getting daily emails from my school that's saying you know attention here's your latest uh COVID update there is no update this concludes your update. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, and and I don't I don't fault the administrators. I think it's it's so difficult to try to manage. Nobody really knows what the right decision is. You have to balance safety with what kids need, which is kind of social stimulation and instruction. And you also have the parents' needs. It's very hard, especially now that some a lot of people are are able to go back to work. That raises questions about childcare and if kids are doing remote learning. It's just it's a big mess. It's uh, one of many, many big messes we have in 2020. But for the sake of tonight's conversation, we'll be talking about um, what teachers, our teachers and our guests think might be a good way to proceed and also just try and pick apart some of these issues which have been fully infected by political concerns where we have an administration that says everybody just go back to school tomorrow same old way no masks hopefully preferably cough on each other while you're there you know so that's the kind of federal guidance that we're getting and you have so many i mean one of the other questions about education and and i know yanni you're going to talk a little bit about this is just you know every district is its own kind of autonomous governing system right you know there's the san francisco every big city every county in the country has its own idea of how to manage things and they have authority about how to implement it. And um, there's a lot to pick apart here. Um, So I I do want to start with you, Kat, only because when we were talking before the show, you told me something I did not know, which is school starts tomorrow. 
School starts tomorrow. Okay. Well, happy back to school. I hope you went to Target and got your backpack and your pencils and everything, whatever a teacher needs, you know, got all your glue sticks. But what does it mean now? Like, what are you doing tonight, Sunday night, the day before the first day of school? And this will be the first, first day of school of the COVID age. What is going through your mind? Okay. Um, so OUSD is, this is their opening. Yeah, all that's the schools. Oakland. You teach in the Oakland school. Yeah. District, right. Okay. Yeah. And so there are, they are all open tomorrow on, you know, Monday. Um, I know for our school, I work at a charter school. We definitely decided distance learning mostly because we are a very small school. Most of our population is black and Hispanic. And we know like that targets a lot, not only just for the kids, but for the parents population with this uh, pandemic. Like we were thinking along those lines too. And so like, even if we wanted to open, I don't think it would even be possible, you know? So I am very glad that we have a good admin team to kind of like rationalize this and be really real and upfront about it. Um, Now, when it comes to prepping, they did since, since I want to say since back in March when we shut down, we had like our custodian teams, uh, like, like I feel like all for all, like for eight hours a day, just sanitizing the whole building because teachers still had to go in and make copies and uh, packets for families to come pick up to, you know, just to get their stuff that they left behind in the classroom. You know, this was in the spring. Now, like the past two weeks, they're still continuing that. Um, our school has been very uh, just smart. And like, I came with my own mask and gloves, but when I walked in, my boss was like, here's some masks and gloves and hand sanitizer. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, um, I was part of a team in ensuring the tech stuff was available for the kids. So I worked all throughout the week um, uploading, bookmarking all the websites and apps they would need for their learning. And some of the apps was like stuff that I put my, like the tech curriculum, I did that. And I put that on there for the kids to, uh, to, to do. Cause they, they kind of had a taste of that in the spring, but now they're going to like most likely do it for the rest of the year. And um, it, it was, I mean, it's a pretty organized plan. Now, me personally, I don't know what I'm doing the first week of school because um, we just like we don't know. Who, we really don't know who's coming back. So we don't actually don't know how many kids are in each classroom. We have an estimate, but we don't know. Um, I do know. Like, say that again. OK. Y- Yanni, did you say something? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just moving. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> I got scared. I was like, what? Um, so, yeah, uh, we are, we were, I just know, like, you know, we're starting school, like, around nine, having a Zoom meeting for everybody, saying welcome back, and then we're going to, like, either break off in breakout rooms or go to our own personalized URLs to uh, start class there. And so, for me, it's more like, just filling out the the whole the room, I guess, because I work with a lot of little kids. So just like meeting, greeting, seeing what they know, and just kind of, not just not. I'm not gonna say chilling because I am working, but just getting the feel of okay, these are new kids. We have better guidelines because what we as educators have to do now is keep track of our like what we're doing by the hour, and that was not what we had to do in the spring because. You know, so um, on my mind, sorry, I kind of went off tangent. On my no, mind tonight. It wouldn't be the first. Don't worry. We love tangents here. This is we what I have. love tangents. Um, what I am going through right now tonight before the big day tomorrow is putting together my laptop stand and my ring light that I just got. So I have more lighting. Ooh. I am so glad you mentioned that because my next question was going to be, Kat, do you have a ring light? Because your picture is so crystal clear right now. Have you it's already just, assembled it? Are you using no, it right this now? this is my, my handy dandy little desk lamp. Oh, it's just a desk lamp. It's not it's even a ring light yet. And it just, it works. Well, it looks great. Just so our listeners know, Kat's picture is crystal clear. I mean, it's right incredible. Like a diamond, girl. It's like right like a diamond. It's, it looks like 5K. Oh, you know why? It's because of my web camera. I, this web camera was pretty pricey. I believe in... I believe in good cameras. So um, just, I, I just wanted to make sure that viewers knew that you looked great because not everybody who listens to this gets to see you. In fact, almost nobody. 
Uh, and I can't kind of makes the people see me when she makes those little clips. Well, that's true. Oh yeah, that's right. These might be Instagram clips. See, I gotta be thinking my Instagram clips always grainy. Look at this. Look at my, look at my image. It's shameful. Shameful. Um, I I did want to ask one clarifying, a couple things really quickly. First of all, uh, what grade do you teach? Kinder, kinder first. Oh, I work with those kids the most, but like I basically do, I I, I do, I wear wear a lot of hats at the school, but mostly the little kids are my focus. Then I have a tech class full of girls, which is like upper grade so like third through fifth and then i do a little bit of tech coding for the entire school so i nice. I'm, I'm i'm everywhere <laughs> yeah i mean a kinder the idea of remote learning for kindergartners and first graders it just it's a whole different kind of set of questions about what's appropriate for them or what's the most engaging the only reason i've thought about that really is because my aunt is a kindergarten teacher mm-hmm. and she's she's a vet you know, my aunt is, uh, you know, of a certain age. She's been teaching at SFUSD since the 80s, you know, since I was a little kid. Very good teacher, wonderful person. Um, but this is her early years doing kindergarten. She used to do um, older years. And she was saying that for her first few days, she's just doing one-on-one sessions with kids. She, like, scheduled mm-hmm. to, like, meet with kids one-on-one and just, like, talk to them and find out what they're interested in. Just, like, meet them one-on-one, which I thought was great. And it occurred to me, like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that teachers have to think about now. You know, like, mm-hmm. the best way to start this. And that is definitely appropriate for that age. Although I think anybody, even a high school kid, would appreciate a, you know, five or ten-minute conversation with their teacher um but in some ways maybe it's opening up possibilities that didn't exist before right like maybe when we were doing uh in-person learning the old-fashioned pre-covid way maybe it wasn't really possible to do like a hey let's schedule a five or ten minute just like hangout session so you know me i'm an optimist i'm always trying to think about how this is going to end up being a good thing for people but i know it's a lot of work and a lot of challenges but I, i do like that idea um and i like you, you got a good vibe going into the first day of school. I think if I have first day of school for me tomorrow, I might not be as cool as you right now. <laughs> That's because, you know, I'm going in with a positive mindset. At least I know I know most of the kids. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I know I get to talk to kids tomorrow. And that makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Um, I do want to, before I, I come to you, Yanni, Kat, you said that you teach at a charter school. So so just for my kind of clarifying purposes, does that mean that you guys are not subject to whatever the district des- decides, like the Oakland Public School District might yeah. decide they're going to start later or do something different and you guys had autonomy to do it the way you wanted? Is that right? Well, we we are not under OUSD, but we follow their like their calendar and some of their guidelines. And then we also take from like Berkeley's uh, some of their Berkeley charter schools guidelines, too, because we're we're like very independent, really. And uh, we're not like the other charter schools where they kind of are like a franchise. Like there's only one of us and probably will only be one of us because we're very small. But I think like the way the why we exist is because we're like the only one in West Oakland and it's very small to cater to these kids who needed a place to go and the school surrounding was very crowded and everything. So it was like a great spot to get uh, the remainder of kids in that area to go to this one little, you know, K through five uh, charter school to learn. So then they could go to the big middle schools and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I am glad that I have the the ability to work in such an environment because I don't know what public schools are doing and I don't know what more uh, bigger charter schools are doing. Are you are the teachers at your school members of the union or no? No. Okay. Yeah, because that's the other that's the reason I asked is because I wanted to come to you, Yanni. You mentioned earlier. The, some of the complications uh, trying to rectify like, well, you know, what does the union want and what does the district want and what does the local government want? Um, I, I, so I just a little clarification. You're in SFUSD or you're in San Mateo? Where, where are you teaching, Yanni? Uh, I'm in Daly City. Um, Daly City. And I, I am part of the Unified School District. So, okay. so it's a public school and you are a union member, correct? Yes. And I wanted to start this off by saying, Kat, I'm sorry for all the interruptions during your portion of the podcast. And you do look great, I have to say. So, it's true. It's true. 
Um, yeah, so I wanted to preface just with starting talking about unions. Um, I'm on our negotiating team, and for the past several weeks, we have been back and forth with our district talking about safety measures and things that need to happen um, as we reopen the school year. And ultimately, we ended up starting with six weeks of virtual learning. However, that was actually the starting point that the district wanted to start with was uh, three and a half weeks. And we gathered a lot of support by communicating out to our different school sites and getting them to write to the school board as well as us to just kind of talk about what our concerns are for safety and for making sure that we do this in a methodical way where it's not just, you know, hybrid learning starts after three and a half weeks. Weeks, you know, we're kind of thrown in there. Parents are given options between virtual and hybrid. And I have to empathize with a lot of different school districts and school systems within the country. There is no one right answer. We're all just kind of being thrown into it as this is happening. It's so unprecedented. So I can see both sides of the picture. I'm curious um, what kind of issues people are split on right like what are what are some examples of things that the union is pushing for that maybe the district hasn't considered you know what are those points that they're trying to fine-tune um so i can talk a little bit about what's specific to our district i don't know if this applies to um all other districts within the country uh one of the things is that um if we are in virtual learning we do think that teachers should have the option to work from home or from the school site. I think a lot of different districts within the state and country are mandating that teachers work in the classroom as an accountability piece. However, that does defeat the purpose because what if the teacher has children to take care of and they're in distance learning? Or um, just you know, kind of congregating in one space defeats the purpose of social distancing. So that's one thing that we're looking at in terms of um, we want to make sure teachers have that choice. So um, the district, I, I just want to ask a quick follow-up question to make sure I got this right. The district, if it were up to them, they want teachers in the classroom, even though everyone's learning remotely in order to just like make sure people are at their desk doing their jobs, basically, not, you know, kind of ignoring safety concerns in favor of like, as you said, accountability. Is that is that right? Yeah. That was their initial position, and because there was so much pushback with writing letters to our school board, but also the conversations with our negotiating team and the district, we were able to get you know, what we were asking for, which is that teachers do have the choice to work from school or from home. However, you know, we will be accountable for the work, the instructional minute expectations, and logging in the work that we do throughout the school day. So there's a compromise there. Yeah. It's also a very good point that you raise about, you know, the fact that, you know, of course, a lot of teachers are parents. Um, and if they're mandated to go to the school, then they have to figure out their own child care. Um, but yeah, that's a crucial point. It's something I mean, it is there's so many moving pieces, right? Like you want to be mindful of parents who work, who have to make their own arrangements for child care if, you know, if they're doing remote learning or if they're going in person versus teachers who are also parents. Uh, that's partly from what I understand why this is so complicated. There's so many moving pieces. And in a lot of ways, these different positions, even if they're opposing, have their own kind of self-contained logic. I'm not big on accountability measures, so I'm not going to back up the, the school district on this one. But I do understand those kind of competing concerns, which is like it's very, very hard for parents who have school aged children, but who work. I mean, it's hard anyway, even if, you know, school was open and there was no COVID. Um, but that doesn't mean that you forego safety measures in order to just rush everybody into school, which I it seems to me what the federal government's looking for. It's like, hey, we need to put these kids somewhere so we can exploit their parents' labor, basically. It's kind of like the federal government, right? I mean, that's shorthand, right? But that's kind of like, that's what we're getting from from this administration. Uh, and on the one hand, there's some validity because people got to work, you know? But on the other hand, you know, nobody's going to work if everybody gets sick and, and we have like another huge setback and that's how things like this happen. So those are, yeah, those are very important points, Yanni. Right. And I think a lot of just the teachers in our district who are parents and having, and, you know, and my heart goes out to them because I have a few colleagues at my school site that 
do have children or are immunocompromised or live with someone who is immunocompromised. And one of the things that came up in negotiations was a lot of the families in our community have, um, you know, the grandparents will take care of the grandchildren. But when the grandchildren go back to school in person, that puts the grandparents, you know, in a compromised position because they could be, um, you know, potentially infected. And, you know, all these different factors that go into making sure that the students are safe. And we as teachers are accountable to the families that we serve. And we do want to make sure that we are doing our job to the best of our abilities. But we want to make sure the kids are safe and that we're safe because we are essentially frontline workers and we will be in the classroom once you know in-person learning resumes whenever that is because it just seems to be different for every school site or not every school site every um district and just states within the country right uh yanni when are you going back to school uh, our official first day is August 19th. That's next Wednesday. But um, there's a lot of anxiety. So Kat, I can totally empathize with you on this. We are uh, we don't have our rosters yet because our district is allowing parents to request virtual learning. And so if you are teaching virtual learning, you're teaching a different set of curriculum that is um, different from what we're teaching in school. So we're getting teachers and families set up with the virtual learning model. Now, with parents who decide that they want their kids to return to school for the hybrid model, which is half in school, half at home, um, we, because there's just a large numbers of families requesting virtual learning, we just learned from our principal that we might have to actually teach split classes this year. And that means we are teaching two different grade levels um, this coming school year with a week and a half advance notice. Um, so you can imagine just, you know, we're, we're going to make do, we're going to do our best. We, we have the resources that we need. We're only going to be well-versed in, well, more or less well-versed in one grade level, but we're going to be thrown in and, and do the best that we can. So a lot of deciding factors, distribution of technology, distribution of hard copy materials, policies around parents coming to school to pick up materials because we don't want to force them to come on if that's a, you know, safety precaution. So a lot of decisions being made in a, in a week and a half, not to mention classroom setup and making sure that we have the six foot distance of our desks whenever the kids do return to school in person. So which, which you're saying that's something that they want to reevaluate after six weeks, right? Like they're committed to six weeks of virtual learning. And after that, they want to see if they can do in person. Is that right? Yeah, so we're moving in increments and our district is going to be looking at um, data of infection rates and gauge from there, do we resume virtual learning or do we go to hybrid? But I think there's just this universal feeling that you know, we're gonna go into the winter and fall months and that's when a lot of um, viruses are going around. So I do believe that while it's not confirmed yet, we're probably gonna be in virtual learning till at least November, but we're not gonna have that confirmed until closer to the six weeks, uh, the six week period. So um, help me out a little bit. We're talking about a couple different models. One you're calling the virtual model and one that you're calling the hybrid model. Yes. Can you can you explain the difference between those two just so I can sure. get a, a better sense? Yeah. Yeah, I'll try and summarize. So the virtual model would be 100% at home. Students will be taught curriculum from something that was decided on by our district. And teachers who ought to teach the virtual learning model will also be able to teach from home. Um, the priority for teachers that were assigned virtual learning assignments for this year are ones who may have child care challenges, are immunocompromised, or for safety measures will have to have to be at home. So there's a separate curriculum and students will be at home for the whole school year. I do believe there's um, a point halfway throughout the school year where parents may opt to go to the opposite learning model, but um, they do have to commit to at least the first uh, four months. That's a lot to manage, Yanni. That is a lot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> to the 
a hybrid model. And I actually, one of my colleagues kind of opened my eyes to this. I thought, you know, a lot of parents are, are, they want to go back to work, but they need to make sure their kids have childcare. They need to make sure their children are going back to school physically. The hybrid model would be two weeks a day, uh, two, sorry, two days a week where the students are in the classroom and then three days where they are at home. And we would be teaching from our set curriculum for math, language arts, science, social studies. Um, but it would be a shortened school day. So the students would, um, at our school site, we start at 825 and we go until 313. However, when uh, the hybrid model starts, students who are in that model would leave um, or dismissed from school at 1235, but we would still be providing virtual instruction for the last two to three hours of the day. Um, and you can imagine with having two grade levels, if that ends up happening for some teachers, you're teaching you know, one group, third grade, one group, uh, second grade curriculum, and not just the grade levels, but the different subject areas within that grade level. So it, it's really a lot to wrap your mind around, but... Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're just trying to get that figured out this week and confirmed. Yeah, especially so much of this is happening at the eleventh hour. It seems right, yeah. like things are still up in the air. And you know, cat school starting for you tomorrow. Yanni school starting yeah. for you. You know, less than two weeks from now. That's a lot. It's a lot to manage. Special shout out to you guys, teachers. They get the job done. <laughs> that was a Hamilton shout out. There's a lot of history there. There's, there's, we got a lot of Hamilton history in the, in the Queston family. <laughs> um, Eming, I, I want to ask you because I know you're also an educator. I know your circumstances are a little different. <laughs> well, I mean, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> I quit my job. Wow. This is right here. This is a, a Queston margin call exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot. No, but, that's fine. Uh, she's the only producer full time. <laughs> that's I'm not Great. No, she's the one producing full time. So, well, yeah, we're... yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. Yeah, you're a podcast producer. You're a podcast producer. So you know, we'll just add a couple more shows for you to edit every week, and like, uh, oh, so like you know. get a paycheck for that. Right. Right. You know, we're working. We're working on that. <laughs> we're working on that. No, corporate response. I love it. (laughs) Can we put a pin in that? Can we put a pin in paying you real quick? (laughs) Three more pins for each year. A lot of of pins. I got got a whole bag of pins. I got a pin cushion. We're running the third, so there's going to be like, you know, what, five more? You know, and once we sort this out, we're probably going to look into a little retroactive and we'll see. I don't want to make any promises, but for the time being, let's just table it. Uh, <laughs> inside, this is inside Such a negotiator quest on business talk. Um, but yeah, Eming, was that is that tell me about this decision? Was this informed by COVID? Was this just your employer not working out, or what? What was that? It was a mix, it was a mix. Um, well, I was working in the after school program, which was already really difficult because kids come, they don't want to listen, they just like, We're done with school. F you, F not literally saying. Yeah, I was, but, you I, know. Was I, know I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was already really hard. Like I, like every day I, w- I would just leave like devastated because I just felt like I was horrible at my job. Like I gave everything, like I bought um, the, them like really cheap cameras to like work on videos. And even that was like, they five, they're, they're, it was just really hard to wrangle their attention. Were um, they even more unruly than I am? Is it, was it more difficult than dealing with me? There was like, Four of them. Okay, so twenty-four so, me's. Yeah. No, but it, it was different. Like you know, you know, there are different kinds of kids in the, in this instance. Like there's the ones who like really challenge you, the ones who kind of want to be your buddy, the ones who are just kind of like in the middle. So it's like it's a range. But there are some who you know have a lot of like emotional issues um, that just compiled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at certain that's a points lot. in the day. Yeah. So, um, well, my choice stemmed from a. I was really unhappy. B, the pay is basically like working out in and out for like not much money. Like I'm basically, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but you know, I make more money on unemployment than I do wow. at that job. So it was like, why oh. do that to myself? Yeah, in and out. Like, I think they get healthcare in and out too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't have healthcare. <laughs> I didn't have anything. It was really, yeah. it sucked. So yeah. um, I thought about it because I was like, do I want to go? Like 
first of all, like, I don't know what it's going to look like. Am I going to go in? And if we're not going into school, how, what, what am I doing? You know, it's like this really like up in the air. And at the end of school year, they were like, well, um, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So you might have a job. We can't promise you, but we're going to say, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe you'll have a job next year. But I was like, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's just not. I don't want to be like waiting in the wings and then go back and then feel as worse as I did before. So I just decided I want to get Quest on to a real thing. Yeah. (laughs) That is my goal. Priorities. Live your dreams. Or or find a job that I'm not like crying at the end of the day. Those are both very good goals. Exactly. So, (laughs) you know, that's my goal. I mean, I do like working with kids. It's just that was a really, really tough situation. I was not equipped. They were like, I think they first told me when I started working, they're like, okay, you're just going to jump in. And like the first day I was with these children, the first day was like me just, uh, just like shadowing. One of my kids who, who would later be like my, um, my like little go-to person to like help me figure out like the dynamics of this whole thing broke her glass. Someone threw a dodgeball and broke her glasses. And I was like my first day on the job and y'all violent as hell. (laughs) Hey, dodgeball is no joke, man. No, it's not. Kids cry. It's an important part of child development. Anyways, that's my story. I quit. Now, now I'm all about quest on. Yay. Nice. Go quest on. Go quest on. (laughs) Um, we, it, it sounds like, you know, we're talking about two different school districts in the Bay area. Uh, and it sounds like the decisions for the most part are being guided by, and this is not to give too much credit to the districts because I don't have enough information to do that, but it, it sounds like for the most part, they're trying to make decisions that are guided by safety, safety of children, safety of the community, safety of teachers for the most part, not to say that they're doing it exactly right. Uh, that is not the case in every school district throughout the country. And I I don't want to call it any school districts in particular, but, uh, Somebody, before we started recording today, mentioned this uh, photo of a a high school in Georgia with the crowded hallway. It looks more crowded than a regular high school hallway. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not saying anything about Georgia. I'm not saying anything about this school district, but this is the kind of thing that people were afraid of, right? Like, you know, schools, as you guys know, I I work in criminal justice and um, in New York City. And when we were kind of at our peak back in March and April, the places that were most vulnerable where people were getting really sick were jails, right? Because how are jails designed? Confinement, containment, um, shared facilities, right? But when I think about it, how are schools designed? Confinement, containment, shared facilities, right? So there are these places where you have big populations put into a small space, um, you know, all using the same facilities and looking at this photo. I mean, whatever. It's a it's a video that, that a student took. Um, it looks like, hey, that's a bad idea. That is not, there's no way to social distance. It's not like these kids are doing something wrong. These kids got to go from class to class. Um, so I do want to open that idea up. When we talked about it earlier, Kat, you mentioned, I'm from Georgia. This says something about Georgia. I don't know if that, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to have a political conversation about Georgia necessarily because I don't feel that I know enough. But do you feel do you feel lucky at least to be working in a part of the country where people seem to be trying to put safety first or am I just being naive um well i mean you're not wrong and when you look at it i guess i'm gonna have to go political here you have to look at it from a political standpoint georgia is a red state it's a republican state they support the trump administration the governor is brian kemp and a little history about what he has done since this thing has started um he he in the beginning didn't really take COVID. Seriously, uh, he was the first state to open back Georgia. I think they opened Georgia back up in May. And that was like at the heat, at the heart or like at the height of COVID. And so, you know, he was just really concerned about businesses staying open and stuff. Um, People just kind of just went with it. Um, I will say, you know, just because the governor is not that cool, um, the, <laughs> well said, well said, well said. Uh, I to those <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of uh, local governor or local uh, government officials that 
were smart. Like the mayor of Atlanta, the mayor of Savannah, the mayor of a lot of Georgia cities that really was pushing for, you know, wearing a mask, um, keeping like not essential business closed, um, social distancing, you know, and they could only maintain, maintain that for like maybe a month or so before Brian Kemp came around and started saying, I'm going to sue the mayor of Atlanta because you're not listening to me. I said, don't, don't make masks be required. So I'm going to sue you personally for not listening to me. And I was like, how do you have as much energy to even do that when there's so many people being exposed and dying? And so with the state still being open since May, you know, just think about all the times California shut down. I want to say California shut down a, a good twice. Like we fully shut down a good like two times since it started. Georgia has been open since basically the beginning. And that's ridiculous to me. And so having that mindset, when it came to schooling, they did not hesitate in, uh, well, I would say maybe most of the schools that probably follow uh, Kemp's advice, they did not hesitate. They they're like, oh, we'll still have school open. We're, we'll make masks uh, not mandatory. And that's why we saw the pictures that we did. Now, the girl the girl who took the pictures, she actually got suspended for doing that. And, um, you know, and somehow I don't know what news source found her, but they uh, interviewed her. And she was like, I just want to, I think she used the phrase good trouble. She's like, yeah. I think good trouble. You know, I, I wanted to expose what was really happening because I didn't like it, you know. Good for her. And yeah, everybody was like, okay, little girl, go, go, We go. should, Queston should hire her. We should get her to be our, you know, <laughs> Southern correspondent. Yes. yes. So, all, you, all you need is a cell phone. Right. Because <laughs> she, she, she did a, she did, she did some good work. And yeah. it's funny how ever since that news show or her being on the news, the school has like got rid of her suspension and is making her be going back to school tomorrow. I don't know if she yeah. is, but they're like, okay, we're going to drop the suspension and you can come. Yeah. Cause what, what, what would, why would they suspend her? She's literally yeah. doing what every teenager does, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I found that pretty interesting. It reminds I, me a little bit of, you know, during the war in Iraq when, uh, they, they wouldn't let journalists take photos of coffins coming yeah, back yeah, yeah. from Iraq, you know, because mm-hmm. um, they didn't want to see people, you know, they didn't want the American people to see the cost of this war. Right. Which is dead, dead Americans. So, uh, so I, in a lot of ways, it does feel like a little Orwellian, you know, like you yeah. can't we can surveil you because, you know, damn well, those cameras all over that high school that they're watching in the back office. Right. <laughs> but you can't surveil us. No accountability for us. Only accountability no for accountability. you. So, yeah, good for her. I mean, that's yeah. that's important to see. It was shocking that video. You know, I'm not like an easily shocked person and I'm not trying to you know overstate it or be hyperbolic or anything. But it was, it was crazy. It was. I haven't seen a crowd of people like that anywhere in and they were in front of the school like they actually took the time yeah. let's take a photo because this is the first day of school what school yeah. does that first of all and second yeah. of all you guys don't care about what's going on in the world like i, I think it's kind of crazy that uh there are people out there that don't care like we knew that before like people don't care you know but to when it comes to a sensitive topic of what has happened worldwide like it's it's ridiculous and people are still like but i don't care and they're not caring is affecting other people who are trying to survive you know in so many ways i mean that's that's my question you know i've always i've wondered for months now how like personal protective gear became a political issue you know what i mean like i know that you know, America is uniquely positioned now. Like we like to polarize everything. Like it doesn't matter what it is. It instantly becomes a polarizing political issue. Um, and I don't like to wade into those debates very often because I don't like polarizing debates. Cause there's no, either I'm talking to you and you're agreeing with me or I'm talking to you and you're just like, I don't want to hear it. You know? So those, those are not usually fruitful debates for me. I, I usually like talking when there's a little bit of room to compromise or whatever. Um, but and, you know, on the one hand, I do understand this like deep American that's like buried in our mythology, this like freedom, like the government can't tell you what to do. Right. And I know that's a concept and I know there's a lot of history to the contrary and how we define freedom. But it's like that part of the mythology, I do feel sometimes just as a person who's wary of the government anyway. Sometimes I do understand that impulse. But in this instance, you know, they talk about um 
and I forget who it was, probably somebody who was in Hamilton. But, you know, the, the definition of freedom, you know, where does freedom stop? Right. Where does your freedom to do something stop? And they say you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Right. That's the example. Right. That's not that's not freedom of speech because you would create a situation that's dangerous for people. Right. At the very least disruptive. And this is the same thing. This is fire in a crowded theater where it's like, yeah, I'm down for your freedom. I'm down for your freedom. Here's where it ends. It's not just you exposing yourself. It would be one thing if people were like, hey, I'm I'm ready to take it on. What do I care about COVID? Fine. That is your right to expose yourself. But what actually happens if you're a person who has made a political issue out of wearing a mask is like we're not none of us is getting anywhere. It's full fire in a crowded theater. That's my diversion. Yeah. That, that's Marlon's corner for the night. I was so proud of you. And then you just decided to do that. It's a shout out. Marlon has branded his own content that I like. And sometimes I like to just try it on a little. Is that, you know? is that your favorite part of our show is Marlon's Corner? No, it's not. It's just like, it's so fun. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in, in terms of like a very specifically branded thing, it's like a, boy, figure like, a way to, you know? to a name for you. Cause we have the, the corner with the tilt and now you're going to be the corner with the I don't know something else. <laughs> something Be nice. Flip the corner right. with the flip. Yeah, the flipped corner. We have flip. Marlon's corner. We have. With, Ray, with, Ray, with, had a, Ray had a Star Wars thing too, but I forgot. Oh, yeah. Raymond Grant. Those kind of features. I love you those mean, kind I of features. Like, you mean you had like something like Eming's at notes at Eming's desk or something? Like that was just something I made up in mind. Ooh. Well, I, I don't I remember just, that. I just had, I just was had, I there for that? <laughs> I, like I, I saw that in my head. When I was a kid, I used to watch the Pee Wee Herman show, you know, and they would have a word for the day. And if anybody said that word throughout the day, everybody would go crazy. And I was very excited for that feature. Oh my gosh. Marlon's Corner reminds me of that kind of feature where it's, <laughs> it's like a fun Marlon's show. Where it's like, hey, everybody, it's Marlon's Corner. You oh know? gosh. Hey, on Pee Wee's Playhouse, <laughs> <laughs> we have Cherry. Also, Lawrence Fishbird plays a cowboy. <laughs> A little crush on Marlon. I think that's what this. Is. I, that's okay. It's just a, you know. What I mean? <laughs> that's okay. Mutual okay. I just went from beef to, to yeah. admiration so fast. It was never beef. It was always admiration. We know. Just I just playful. had so much fun roasting you because beef. Yeah. Fun. It's fun. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait for you not to be a guest on the show so we can go back to doing a little playful beef. Like that. <laughs> or I'll be the messenger, like y'all. Yes. I was on the yes. show last night. Uh, yeah, bad. exactly. Let me, you you think? Let me tell you what's going on on the other side, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So another yeah. podcast idea, just Russell and Kat going oh, off. Boom. I like it. If, Russell, we, if we had a, a thing, royale. No, it, it would be one of those like uh, Russell and Kat host the Emmys kind of type thing. If we oh, oh, yeah, we we like, on like a yeah, horror show. Like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, basically. Right, it would be like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we be. I'm <laughs> Tina Fey. I call I call Tina Fey. That's, that's fine. I I I have my Amy Poehler moments. See, this is why this is why Cat works for Margin Call because Cat is down for tangents and digressions. That's because of me. That's what I'm saying. Um, speaking of tangents and digressions, <laughs> uh, I want to bring us back a little bit to the topic of education. Bit. Just a little bit. We're doing a U-turn back. Just a little, just a little bit of a refocus. U-turn. Yeah. I'm the one who took us off course, so I have the right to bring us back on. Okay, this is it. This is my redemption. Um, I, I mentioned this last time when we were talking about you know parents' perspectives on education. The whole time I was talking, I was like, "Where's the kids at, man?" You know, I, I listen to, I read the newspaper, I listen to the radio. You know, I'm like a, a pretty like I, I have a full media saturation. Every time I turn on the radio, it's like a school administrator is talking. It's like sometimes it'll be like a teacher, you know, and then it'll be like oh, like a parent talking about you know what I'm doing. It's like where are the kids? Where are the kids at, man? I want to hear what, what the kids think. I feel like I don't hear that enough, uh, and that's just a note dear you know mainstream media where are the voices of the children in the coverage of this story it's more of a media note than anything else because i do want i do want to know what a fifth grader thinks about this and i i fear that you know educators not that they should be the ones designing the safety protocols although i would like to see a fifth graders safety protocol they probably have some better ideas 
Um, but you know, it's just anytime there's an issue that directly affects people and their voices aren't present, it always my little antennas go up. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, people making decisions for people who don't have a voice. You know, so hopefully we're trying to round up. You know, if you know any ten year olds, send send them our way, and then we can do like an all ten year old episode, and then we can really. Yeah, really- so cool. <laughs> That'd be so cute. I have. Two nieces and a nephew. Oh, you do. I forgot. Perfect. Um, yeah. Well, uh, how do you know about 14-year-olds? I'm thinking aiming of Matthew and Brian. Yeah. Last week. This is I think true. that would be great. Or Sarah. Get... Sarah might be better. We can because yeah. it's two different grade levels to so do different perspectives. Yeah. I think it'd be good to have different ages. It'll be just like Kid Nation. I don't know if anybody ever watched that sh- reality show, Kid Nation, when it was on. Did anybody Sounds see this? familiar. Sounds it was, really so familiar. It was the best reality. This is another tangent. I'm just warning our listeners. This is another tangent real quick. I promise, Yanni, I'm coming to you. Education for- and tangents. Oh, I'm, 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 Margin call. This is why I was the most annoying student in all my classes, because it'd be like an algebra class. It'd be like, yo, yo. Oh, okay. I just was, I interrupted my tangent for another tangent. Done. <laughs> you're the kid that i want to have a conversation with like just to talk about life like there are kids that like when i would do individual zooms with them in the last trimester of this last school year it's like when you're not focused on curriculum like you just love talking to them you know yes yes so you're i love kid. it I, yanni i need to get a time machine well, I don't know how this would work exactly just in terms of physics and the space-time continuum, but I would like to be your student. Maybe I'll send you back in time. time yeah, we need to get a time heist with Yanni so that she could be a teacher who understands and appreciates me. So do I work with kindergarten version of you? And she works yeah. with the kindergarten version of you? Yeah. yeah. I was, listen, man, you guys... I was great, man. I was just misunderstood. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like many, like many that's, great that's, ones. But no, my, my question for you, I, I'll talk about Kid Nation later. Very good reality show. Basically, it's like it came out 15 years ago. It's a real life uh, Lord of the Flies, where it's just like a society run by children. Right. And they have to figure out how it's like Survivor, except it's all kids. And it's great because they have like the right age range and they show a lot of insights that adult would, adults wouldn't show. And it really just shows you like why kids are tight and why adults are whack. And I, and I stand by that position. <laughs> so that's why I love that show. But it was canceled after one season because it violated child labor laws. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you can't take kids away from their parents and, uh, you know, make them perform that's, on television. That's so illegal. Uh, this is America. We're free. We're free to make our kids work on reality shows but my, my question all of that is a preface of a, a question for you yanni uh mm-hmm. obviously i want to hear from kids so hopefully we can get like a young people's back to school check-in that's just a note be be warned send Let's, us your children i'm for yes. it yes yes send us your children send us all your children in an unmarked white van yes wow wow i hope that makes the air <laughs> we're, we're never gonna and this thing, <laughs> someone's gonna dig this up man and that's gonna be me yeah. it's fine i have no future it's we're gonna be we're right about to get a grant <laughs> and become a really successful nonprofit media company and they're gonna do their due diligence and they're gonna say oh it turns out you asked listeners to send you their children in a white <laughs> <grant>. <laughs> All right. Here's my education question. At long last, everybody, Yanni, you mentioned earlier trying to balance the concerns of what teachers want, what the union wants, what's safe for kids, what the district wants, and then working with parents. Uh, Like I said, we had parents on the show last week, but I am curious to hear from you what you guys have been hearing from parents. Is it like kind of one voice or every kind of parent has their own specific concerns? Are some parents more concerned about like, I got to go back to work, so I need my kid to be in school in person are some parents uh, more concerned about making sure that their kids are like socializing properly and getting their right kind of education what are what have you heard and, and to what extent have parents voices been part of the conversation to this point so i have to say our district has sent out two different surveys to the parents one was in i believe april and uh the second one was um a letter sent out to ask for parents if they want to opt for the virtual model or for the hybrid model. 
We did not, as teachers, receive uh, results to those surveys, so I cannot speak to all of the legitimate concerns of the parents. What I do know and what I can say is that the number of parents requesting virtual learning is much higher than I anticipated. I actually thought more parents would opt for hybrid learning because um, you know, the need for kids to get back to school, socialize with their friends, be in the physical classroom, uh, for parents to go back to work. But something that a colleague told me, and I really understand it now because she is a parent herself of a four-year-old, she was saying a lot of parents are opting for virtual learning because if the hybrid model is only two days a week, you have to drop mm -hmm. off your child at 8.25 and then pick them up at 12.35 how can you arrange with your employer to take that time off? And it's not even two consecutive days a week. The way our district has hybrid learning set up is Monday, Thursday for cohort one, Tuesday, Friday for cohort two, Wednesdays are all virtual. And that's where you check in with the at-risk students and do family outreach and a lot of those and just and teach virtually. So it, it, it would be a completely just, just management struggle for parents to get their employers to let them leave early on two separate days a week. So I can see why they're choosing virtual learning. That might be one thing. Um, a lot of parents were invited, oh, uh, sorry, uh, parents in our district were invited to um, a virtual forum through Zoom. The problem with that is uh, there was a 300 um, person cap on Zoom itself. And there was a comments or the chat section on Zoom where families could ask questions, but um, you know, obviously it was hard to keep up with all of the questions that were being asked. So I would say I, you know, I can't speak to all of the parent concerns because I don't have all that data. Um, but I would say within our district, um, there's a variance of what parents are feeling is safe for their kids and what they want uh, for kids to return. But the one thing I will say also, the main priority is safety. Masks, um, hygiene, just making sure that we sanitize the classrooms every day, which is something that would be put on our custodial staff. Um, and it just, it just makes me sad. You know, I, I don't have any children. I'm not immunocompromised. I don't live with anyone who's immunocompromised. Ideally, I'd love to be back in the classroom with my kids, but I would not sacrifice that for my colleagues and who have kids or are immunocompromised that they'd be forced to teach in the classroom. So I'm really thinking about our community and what's best for everyone's safety. Um, and I, yeah. I think that parent input should be tapped into a lot more often and it should have been sooner. Yeah, well said. Well said. Maybe put you up for the district. You know, maybe Someday. you know what I mean. One, one day, one day. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We've already decided we want Entire one of education, our education. Marion Pianza. Oh my yeah. gosh, I, I don't want to be an admin. That's you don't want that job. <laughs> See, that's the problem. The problem is the people who would be best at those jobs are the people who are smart enough to know I don't want that job. <laughs> this is true all over the workforce, all the way up to the president. If you really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, that very well said. I think probably because, you know, at the top of the show, I said, we don't know that there is a clear right answer, right? Like it would be foolish to come in and say, here's what obviously needs to happen. Why isn't it happening? And that's part of the problem is that there isn't a clear answer. And a lot of these competing concerns are equally valid, right? Yes. It is equally valid to be concerned about the health of children and the health of educators and the health of our community as it is to be concerned about, you know, child development and child education and uh, child care for parents who are working. Like all of those things are legitimate concerns. They just all happen to be like completely at odds, which is why this is such a challenging and confounding uh, challenge. Uh, a challenging challenge. You like that, guys? That's that's what I'll that's what I'll call the show tonight. <laughs> yeah, education in the age of COVID: a challenging challenge. 
That'll get so many SEO hits. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody's gonna be googling challenge. Um, but no, that was very well said, Yanni. I think I I agree with you completely. I think most people would that everybody's concerns here are valid. Um, and and it seems like a lot of people are doing their best to try and entertain those concerns and and figure out what's gonna work. I would just say personally before we wrap up that I am very glad. That you two people, Yanni and Kat, are two of the educators who are a part of this process because it makes me feel better to hear from you guys and the way that you're thinking about it. Because as we talk about on this show all the time, I had a traumatic experience when I was in school and I didn't like my teachers. So my attitude about teachers was always like teachers are whack. Teachers are dream killers. Teachers are soul crushers. And now as a mature adult (laughs) that I have friends like you, well, not mature, now that I'm an adult (laughs) and and I have friends like you, Kat and you Yanni like I really feel good that like you know there are such good teachers out there kids are in good hands and I'm just very happy to hear it from the two of you so thank you I have why why did my mind change oh have changed I feel oh sorry can you guys hear me yeah yeah we can hear you attitudes and I think the direction of what education should be as like it it's not just curriculum it's all encompassing of the social emotional physical well-being of kids has definitely shifted so I like it makes me think like hearing that from you and then like hearing the evidence from you two and other friends that I have who are educators makes me think you guys remember that movie Billy Madison where he has to go back to school you know Adam Sandler has to do school you know first grade all the way through you know in a year or whatever that's what I need to do now that school is tight You know, now but that you there's are back in school now that no, I'm talking first grade. I'm talking oh. I'm going all the way back to be in my class, basically. Yes, <laughs> I want to start. I want to start with Ms. Wilson and I want to work my way up to Ms. Piancai. <laughs> 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 Whoever else my friends are. Well, I mean, part of this, you know, I had a friend a couple of years ago who's a third grade teacher and I gave her my whole stupid speech about, you know, what's wrong with teachers. And then my favorite question was always like, oh, who's your worst kid? You know, anytime I would see her, I'd be like, oh, who's your worst kid? And the way that she talked about him was so compassionate. Like she wasn't like, oh, this kid makes me crazy. This kid's so messed up. She was thinking in such a holistic way about like this kid's challenges at home and how this kid like has a developmental um, disability and like what the kind of support that he needs that maybe the school isn't giving him and the little solutions that she came up with like oh I scheduled a time like if he acts out then we have lunch together and it's not a punishment it's a time for us to like hang out and talk and it's really I was like oh my god why were you my third grade teacher because I was that kid so yes I've I've come a long way I've come around on teachers guys and it's thanks to people like you so uh, for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very glad you're out there doing the good work. And I hope that you know how all the commercials on TV are like, you know, celebrating our, you know, first responders and healthcare workers. And that's a very beautiful thing. I want to see some more teacher commercials. I'm, I'm ready for those, especially now that it's back to school. I know there are a couple of them, but, you know, I'd like to see a couple of those, you know, like the Major League Baseball guys are putting the names of, you know, people on their backs as a thank you to healthcare workers. Maybe, you know, every 10th guy, Throw in your favorite teacher. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just an idea. I'm I'm putting it out there. Um, So, yeah, I want to thank both of you guys for being here for so many different reasons. This is like really, really helpful context. It helps me understand the issue a lot more. I think that teacher perspective is crucial. You know, I was complaining earlier that we don't get to hear from students very often. You know, I I feel like we don't hear from individual teachers very often either in terms of just mass media. And we're talking, we hear about people who are experts in education, which is fine. You know, we hear about administrators and and people in government, but actual teachers, it is, it really helps to hear your voices in this. And um, I appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. So thanks to both of you, Yanni and Kat. You're welcome. Yeah. And even, you know, if you ever do decide to go back and become an educator, then that, that, you know, it'll be a delayed shout out for you. Be like, yo, E-Ming's going in. E-Ming's going in. Appreciate it. Our jerseys with E-Ming's name on it. Oh, yeah. That's what What? we should do. We should all get E-Ming jerseys. Yeah, you yeah. Dang, for that your, was my Christmas yeah. present. <laughs> you can still do it. You can do all each of our own different one. All right, I'll get her. I'll get her a Warriors jersey with her name on. I know her, her, her dad. Her dad will appreciate that. Her dad will appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Um, again, I want to thank both of you guys for being here. I want to thank our listeners for hanging with us. Pretty minimal tangents, I thought, and they were all amusing, which I think is. 
Eming that's minimal? Okay. Oh, you mean because I managed to sneak in a little plug for Kid Nation? It's It kind of <laughs> relates to education. We're talking about young people. No? No, it's fair because we used to call my kids um, uh, Lord of the Flies because they were just nuts. So Nice. Mm, very nice. How cute. <laughs> they, were, they were cutting off pigs' heads and murdering each other. Is that that's what was going no, on? No, 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 no. It was more like we were trying to envision... Um, if it were Lord of the Flies, what each kid would be like. Ooh, nice. You'd be like, that it was, it was, it was that just such a spectrum Ooh. of children that we were like, you would hide and wait it out. You would be like the leader. You would probably like yeah. try to kill people. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's like the Stanford prison experiment. You know, it's like you take any group of people, any cross section of society, and you put them in a situation like that. Different archetypes and personalities are going to fit into the leadership role and, you know, the violent role and the sexy role. I think I learned that when I was uh, reading a study about monkeys uh, who get drunk. You know, and the scientists were like, you know, monkeys who get drunk are exactly the same as humans who get drunk. Some of them get really emotional and start crying. Some of them want to fight. Some of them want to get sexy. Uh, some of them just sleep it off. So it's helpful to know that we're not that far removed from our primate cousins. And that's not a tangent. That doesn't count um, as a tangent. My drunk <laughs> monkey story is not a tangent. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I also, for our listeners sake, before we get out here, I want to let you guys know, I, I get a lot of looks from Kat and from Eming, mostly from Eming. And I know that the looks aren't coming across on audio, but I want you guys to know that while I was saying that, Kat's eyes were going back and forth, just like that. I you know that, this you know is the me. Clock, you know the clock that people used to have on the kitchen <laughs> table? It's like a cat and the tail would go back and forth and the eyes would go back and forth. It's exactly like that. And then Eming was just hitting me with all kinds of resting Daria face. So that is, an <laughs> that is an aspect of the show that sadly our listeners don't, don't get. But now I've described it. So uh, I love this episode. You guys are great. Good luck at your first day of school tomorrow, Kat. Thank you. Thank Good you. Luck. Good luck at your first day of school um, 10 days from now. Yanni, you got this. Um, and thanks to our listeners. And oh, wait a minute before we go. Special shout out to our producer, Eming, who, <laughs> tries, who tries to keep us on task. Who does it. Sound, keeps us sounding good. Make sure all our tech's on point. Shoots me Daria looks when I'm going off script. We need you. We need you, Eming. We need you. He's doing the whole uh, Uncle Sam thing. We need you. Yes. We need you. I'm pointing the finger right at you. <laughs> Special shout out to even, you. I'm not even looking. I know. She's just yeah, like... that's, that's the look. This look is not looking. That's what this one's about. <laughs> <laughs> this is the no look look. <laughs> All right. Now, this is my fifth and final attempt at a real outro. Thanks again to our guests for being here. Special shout out to Eming. Thanks, as always, to our listeners. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.